Welcome to Mystery Monday. My name is Max Sterling, and I'm here with your co-host, Aria Sterling. Hi, everyone. As a reminder, we are dedicated to releasing two episodes each week. On Mystery Monday, we produce a short episode featuring a missing person. These cases typically have very little information, but it's still important to share their stories in hopes of reaching somebody who might know something to help bring closure to these cases. And don't forget, you can visit us on Facebook, Instagram at Mysteries and Mimosas Podcast, or on our website, mysteriesandmimosas.net. From there, you can reach out to us to give us feedback, suggest a case, or just say hello. In fact, I want to give a shout out to one of our true crime connoisseurs, Brian, who recently suggested three cases, which we are currently looking into. Thank you, Brian, for suggesting those cases. We can't wait to get started on those. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's start with our mimosa recipe for the week. What do we have? Today's mimosa is holiday-inspired. It is half a shot of vodka, champagne, of course, cranberry juice, pineapple juice, edible glitter, and a crushed peppermint rim. This one is amazing. I was a little bit hesitant to eat edible glitter. Yeah, no. Until it, I did, but there's no flavor so. or anything. It just makes it look pretty. Where do you get that? Uh, on Amazon, actually. You got it That's on where Amazon? I ordered it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It is. It comes in so many different colors. It's just fun. What, are we going to make another one? I want to do a Grinch one for the for December. Yes, right. we will. We'll do okay. a Grinch recipe next time. And you know, we take episode suggestions on our website, but we are also open to mimosa recipe suggestions as well. So Absolutely. if anybody listening has any cool suggestions or thoughts on a mimosa recipe, please go to our website and let us know. Yeah, you don't even have to buy the ingredients for us. Just... Let us know. I'll pick it up on the way home. All right. And we'll probably drink it that night. And since we're soliciting suggestions for true crime episodes and for mimosa recipes, we might as well just open it up if anybody has any suggestions for a new co-host. I mean, I'm all ears. No? That's, no. I'm right here. That's offensive. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> offensive. It is. I'm sorry. You're, I'm, no. I don't even know what to it's say. It's called a joke. I it's know. Called just just joking around. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like until it. somebody suggests um, a new co-host, and I like that co-host better. Then you're done, son. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. That again. You I'm just sorry. had to figure out a way to put that quote in there, <laughs> did. didn't you? That was a, uh, like I know. A I only do it because it bothers you. Roundabout way to get to yeah, you being I, able to say, dude, I teed done, myself son. up and I nailed it home. Oh my gosh! Drove it home. Not yeah. yeah, drove it home. Yikes. This See, this is what I deal with, and you're asking for a new co-host? You know I'm totally teasing. I would never trade you in, not for anything in the world. You are my favorite co-host. I'm your only co-host. This is true, but you're still my favorite. <laughs> you are the number one. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let's get into this one. So today's case is from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The missing person in this case is Laura Lee McIntyre. She is a white female, 28 years old. She was last seen on March 8th of 1990. She's 5'2 to 5'4, 105 to 120 pounds, and she was wearing a black and red shirt, blue jeans, and gray shoes. McIntyre was last seen at the Elm Tree Bar in the 2900 block of Southwest 29th Street and Avenue. 
in that, Oklahoma City. That's correct. City. I read the article too. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's the address is Street and Avenue. That's what it says. Street and Avenue. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So Southwest 29th Street and Avenue in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma on March 8th, 1990. She's never been heard or seen again. Heard from or seen again. She left behind her six-year-old daughter, which I'm not good at math. I'm going to put you on the spot. How old is her six-year-old daughter today? 1990, six years old. 39. I don't know when her birthday was, but I mean, I'm not going to fact check I mean, it's almost the yet. end of the year, so yeah. if, if it was this year, it'd be, she had a birthday this year, it'd be 39. Okay, I'm Forty buying it. Yeah. It checks out. My deficiency in math tells me that you are correct. I'm correct, yes. Yeah, Okay. I believe okay. you. 1984 to 2024 is 40 years. Okay. So this year she would have been 39. Makes sense. Man, that's a really sad case with Laura because she probably just went out to go have some fun. Maybe, you know, at, a, at the bar that she's used to going to, felt comfortable, I'm sure. And then she's just never seen from again or seen or heard from again. Yeah. I wish we had more information on kind of what was going on in her life at that time. Was she dating someone? Was she going to meet someone at that bar? Was she a regular there? Did she live in the area? I mean, there's a lot more questions than answers, unfortunately. You're right. There are a lot more questions than answers in this one, but what we do have are a lot of photos that we've put on our website and you can find those on mysteriesandmimosas.net. You can find them on the website, The Charlie Project, which has an article about Laura. And then you can also find them on the Oklahoma uh, Facebook page for missing persons. So please take a look at those pictures. And if you have any information about the disappearance of Laura McIntyre, you can call the Oklahoma City Police Department at 405-297-1127. And since there's not a lot of information out there for Laura, we don't want to cut this episode short, do we? No. Yeah, so we have another case that we'd like to highlight. Do you want to tell us about it? Sure. So this case is out of Oklahoma as well. It's out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is the missing persons case of Ray Nathaniel Johnson Jr. Ray was last seen in Tulsa, Oklahoma on September 11th, 2008. He called and spoke with his wife on the phone at about 11 o'clock that night. He told her he was going to tow a vehicle with his wrecker, but that he'd be home soon. Ray owned an auto dealership. It was called Straight Up Auto Sales on North Peoria Avenue in Tulsa. He was last seen at 11.30 that night driving his white 2000 Chevy Impala, which he had just recently purchased. So when Ray didn't arrive home, his wife went to the dealership to look for him to make sure he was okay. And she saw that white Impala. It was uh, parked in the locked car lot. The car had a strong odor of bleach. A hat and one of Ray's bloodstained shoes were found in the trunk, which had been cleaned with bleach. The vehicle was unlocked with the window rolled down, but there was no sign of Ray anywhere at the scene. And according to Ray's wife, he wouldn't have normally left the car like that with the window rolled down. So that was September of 2008. Now fast forward to July 2015, a man by the name of Gregory Jerome Epperson was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in this case. He is actually a cousin of Ray's wife, and they went to school together. He does have a criminal record dating all the way back to 1993 for various offenses, including burglary and auto theft. There was a witness who told police that Epperson had held a gun to his head and forced him to help dump the uh, the dead body of Ray into a creek. Blood was found in the vehicle, 
that was used to transport the body. And then DNA tests proved that the blood was from a male member of Ray's family. And it did match the DNA from the blood found in Ray's own vehicle as well. In January of 2016, three days before the trial was supposed to begin, they dropped the charges against Epperson because they didn't have enough evidence. Wow. Yeah. For whatever reason, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think they went through that whole entire process and then three days before the trial, they decided they didn't have enough evidence against him. Right. Because to put that into perspective, it's not like they just charged him because they felt like it. And then right. all of a sudden, you know, next week they have a trial. I mean, they put a case together. They did investigations. They filed something with the DA's office after doing probably a very extensive investigation. And the DA, at least for a while, said, yep, we're good. There's probable cause here. We're going to charge this person. According to an article from Fox 23 in Tulsa, the Tulsa County DA stated that there were significant concerns about the lack of corroborating evidence to convict Epperson, and that was why the charges were dropped. He said that Ray's body has never been found, there were no eyewitnesses to his death, and there was no forensic evidence linking Epperson to the crime. So we talked about the forensic evidence of the blood found in both of the vehicles, but there was no forensic evidence directly tying Epperson to the crime. He said that the DA, sorry, the DA said that the key and only witness against him, who was actually a convicted felon and known associate of both Johnson and Epperson, could not be sufficiently corroborated by independent evidence as to the accusations he was making against Epperson. So the district attorney's office said that the charges have been dropped, but they're hoping that they could possibly get more evidence in the future and then retry the case. Yeah, and that makes sense because if you have your only key witness and he's a felon, I mean, the district attorneys look at that before they put those people on the stand because the first thing that the defense is going to do is try to impeach that person. Um, and attack his credibility, you know, or her credibility. Uh, so, th- so that makes total sense. Yeah, because if they proceeded with the case as it was, there was the pot- potential for him to f- be found not guilty, and then they couldn't retry him in the future. So what you're saying is they just want to get it right the first time. Exactly. Interestingly enough, the next year, a year after those charges were dropped against Epperson, He murdered a 19-year-old college student in her home. He killed Kelsey Tennant and tried to kill her boyfriend, Riley Allen. In 2020, Epperson pled guilty to Kelsey's murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he took that plea in order to avoid the death penalty. He was also given a life sentence for the attempted murder of Kelsey's boyfriend, Riley. So he's a violent person. Yes. Very violent. Yeah. Um... Okay. So do you have any information? Or I mean, I'm sorry. Of course you have information. You're loaded with information. Do you have anything to tell our listeners on where they can turn to if they have any information about this case? Yeah. So I also want to mention that Ray was a loving husband and he has six kids that would love some closure in this case. Absolutely. They would. So if any of our listeners have any information regarding his disappearance, please contact the Tulsa Police Department at 918-596-9333. And before we close this one out, let's raise our glasses and toast to Laura and to Ray. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, I talked over you. 
This is like reminiscent of the last time. It is. Let me go first. Go ahead. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>